This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Sean Castor, CEO at Preapps. Sean, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's great. Thank you for coming. Okay, so in the 80s, the world was about personal computer. For the first time, people could put a computer on their desk. In the 90s, computer game became a thing. And the very last decade, starting 2009 until today, it's been a decade of mobile apps. Some of them had very short lifetime and failed to find its place in people's life. Some have been spectacularly successful. On this episode, we will be talking with Sean about the letter. But as always on this show, let's start with you, Sean. Let's talk about you. How did you get into the app marketing business? Well, I've always kind of been into tech. And uh, as a serial entrepreneur, I think as the App Store first launched, my passion really grew, grew towards apps. Uh, so early age in high school, I launched a few different businesses all around the kind of the Facebook era of kind of creating new dating apps and new social platforms. Uh, and then in college, that's when my really passion and addiction to the mobile app industry began early when the App Store first started. And so I started building apps on my own. And then, you know, it was when really launching these apps and understanding that the development side was fairly easy, but actually the marketing and getting out there into the consumers was, was very difficult. And I, I started to read the stats and connect with the community here in Boston and how, you know, everyone was so passionate and excited about the products they were creating, but unfortunately, you know, 98% of them failed to be discovered. So mm-hmm. at that age, um, very early on when the first, uh, you know, app store launched, I really set on a journey to discover the, the systems, the process and the frameworks that the most successful apps in the market implemented. And, and I founded my agency pre-apps well, over nine to 10 years ago now to be able to support and implement the same systems and frameworks for others. Got you. So yeah, you do remember those early days of the App Store where the optimism about the new platform was kind of mixed with bitter feelings from folks who were failing to break through the noise and it was kind of a, it felt let down by the platform that because they couldn't just reach their audience, their yeah, app users. It was a exactly. pretty rough time back then. It was the so, wild, wild west. And, and to be honest, it still continues to be the wild, wild yeah. west as Apple and Google algorithms continue to figure things out and adapt with, with you know, the, the modern times. Yeah, that's totally true. Wild, wild west has been uh, on the wild ride for the last 10 years. So let's talk about pre-apps. What is the pre-apps today and how would you position yourself in the market? So at Preapps, our mission is to continue to be the number one app marketing agency, providing world-class services designed to be able to help launch and grow mobile app businesses, uh, helping both early stage startups as well as established enterprise apps, you know, achieve their business goals. And our amazing team has had the privilege over the years to work with some of the most successful billion-dollar apps out there across all 24 different categories, whether social, health, business, you know, on the App Store and Google Play. And we're really the number one in the world for what we do because we've mastered and developed these specific programs and systems over the past nine to 10 years now to ensure our clients, you know, achieve their goals. And I would say our bread and butter 
is working again with both early stage startups to launch their mobile apps successfully and achieve those initial you know milestones that say launching successfully, building that brand, market validation, credibility, and going going from zero to 100,000 downloads, as well as the already successful apps to be able to scale further. Let's say they already have 100,000 or a million. Now they're kind of hitting a ceiling on their own to be able to, to scale. And that's kind of where we come into play. And so, you know, we do what we do to be able to really transform the world for the better by helping our clients get their amazing products and services to the masses. So we're very selective on, on kind of who we work with. And because we you know, understand that this ripple effect of the companies that we work with ideally provide that positive impact to the millions you know, all throughout the world. So looking back at you know, almost 10 years to the history of your company, do you see people's needs are changing? Or are they asking, for the most part, pretty much the same questions when they approach you? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the overall fundamentals needs have been the same. You know, how do I get my app to the masses? How do I ensure that my investment in building, developing this app, I won't go to waste? How do I make sure that we are going to be able to reach that initial goal of 10,000, you know, monthly downloads, or let's say 100,000 downloads in six months, or even a million Mm -hmm. downloads in a year? You know, they're always looking for that roadmap and that path because uh, for a lot of people, they're, they're you know, entering into the app space um, you know, for the first time and they need to understand how mobile app marketing works and how it differs from traditional you know, marketing. Right, got you. Okay, so now by this point, you would be really hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't know about such apps as Netflix, Uber, Instagram, Snapchat. Well, in fact, these are the platforms that started as apps. And despite the fact that they have completed different function, there's got to be some common denominator that set them on the path to become super successful. And so, Sean, tell me about the mindset app developers should have to reach out the same hates. And well, it's a, apart from the venture capital, but to be honest, venture capital, uh, capital, it's like, you know, fuel in your tank of your car. You may have a lot, but if you can't drive, you're not going to get anywhere. You have to be a good driver. It doesn't matter how much fuel you have in your uh, car. So... Tell me about the mindset that, that that developers should have to be successful. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as you touched on, you know, Netflix, Uber, Instagram, Tinder, uh, they all have different features and functionality and even different consumers, yet they're wildly, wildly successful. You know, why, why is that? How did they get there? And there are definitely 100% common traits. And we've been able to kind of figure that out in terms of, of diving deep into the specifics mechanisms. But from a high level standpoint, let's just talk, talk high level. What, what do these, you know, have in common? And the truth is, any successful app business really comes down to two basic principles. Number one, attract high quality, high value customers at an affordable cost. And number two, mm-hmm. retain, nurture, and grow the value of your customers. If you notice, both uh, any successful app, not just Netflix, Uber, Instagram, the ones you mentioned, but uh, they always have those in common. And the problem that most face is they uh, you know, approach their app um, and they treat it more like a hobby and not a true business. Right. And you'll notice that Netflix, Uber, Instagram, these are, are true businesses. They're not just products, they're not just fun to use, but they're actual businesses. And so just going back to those, those two pieces, you, know, you must first attract high quality, high value customers and affordable cost. And this is done through both organic and paid advertising, by the way. Uh, and then number two, retain, nurture, and grow the value of your customers. And this is done by having systems in place to be able to get users coming back to the app and monetizing them each time that they do. So I would say those are the two basic principles. 
Yeah, probably it, people may have a hard time to realize that, uh, that these two factors, factors should exist, should be in place to be successful because they're, they're looking at these apps like a consumer. And if you're using, using you know, Uber app, it feels so natural. It's like a utility. You don't feel, you don't think about this is the app you're using, or it's just one of the, you know, functions of your phone, like, you know, placing a call or sending a text message has become part of your daily routine. And, but there was a history behind the app. There was a history behind its success, how it became that popular by this point. And yeah, those two factors, you absolutely, um, we're on the same page. They should be there. Otherwise, uh, you won't be able to pull up the same feed. It's a long-term game. It's a real serious business. You're not going to be able to pull off, you know, thousands and thousands of app users within a month. You have to climb up that mountain and be really mindful. So since the dawn of the Apple's App Store back in 2008, we've been hearing about industry disruptors. They're everywhere. So app companies that came to specific markets to change their status quo. How does the app disruption work? Well, when it comes to app disruption, you know how we see it is looking at um, pure innovation uh, in its purest form. And so, you know, mobile apps have unleashed the opportunity for any business to have their product and service engaged with customers like unlike ever before. You mentioned before how you know your mobile phone essentially become an extension of your body. Uh, it's always within three feet of any human. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. And as a result, you know, we've become profoundly more addicted to to these products. And uh, and so in today's environment, when we look at, you know, disruption, we're looking at mobile really disrupting every aspect of, of business. And so before, back in the day, it was, you know, have a mobile website, and then it was mobile first, and then it was, you know, have a mobile app. Now we're looking at businesses having mobile only, right? Just an app. You don't even have a website. Uh, your website will just be a contact page, if anything, for, for issues. And so we're looking at this app disruption, and we're continuing to see this app disruption, really looking at every aspect of, of business and industry. And so a great entrepreneur really takes a, a disruptive challenge and turns it into a disruptive opportunity. You know, one thing we think about it is what Charles Darwin had always said. It's not the, the strongest that survived, nor the most intelligent that survived. It's the one that is most adaptable to change. And so it's all right. about really adapting change and being forward thinking and looking at opportunities of how you can continue to, to leverage technology to change, you know, the status quo, change what's currently working. Right. You, you may have the greatest plan on the, on the planet to go to the market, but if you just not capable to adapt to the current market environment and uh, see how it can still be on the top, you, you're just going to lose. You have to be really flexible, mindful, and uh, be up to date with what's, what's going on, like the trends, what your competitors do. What does it take to innovate in the app space for real these days? I would say just like any other innovation, uh, the key is to use creativity to spot disruptive opportunities. It's about solving your users' needs better than anyone else in the market. If you can do that, you know you will succeed. And when it comes to innovation, you know the key is I think you touched on this earlier is is you don't want to fall in love with your product. It's the most common mistake that we see is so many early first time app business owners and CEOs and and they just fall in love with their product. It sounds a little bit contradictory, but you know, you must instead fall in love with your users and solving in love with your users' needs and problems better than anyone else in the market. Again, if you can solve your, your users' needs better than anyone else in the market, you will succeed. 
Yeah, there are many stories where apps were created uh, by developers when they're trying to solve their own problems. It may be a good start point, like in your own experience, you found a real problem to solve, but it can be just a starting point. Then once you start solving that problem, you have to adapt to the specific needs of your customers, how exactly you're going to be doing the same problem solving for them to make it work for them and uh, giving them a, that constant reason to come back to the app and using it in their daily life and make it really useful. Not just, you know, one day success and then uh, people just get rid of the app and move on. Exactly. So let's talk about the growth marketing. I, you remember, you know, back in the day, kind of circa 2009, 2013, like the first five, four years since the App Store was launched, when any app project came to the marketing phase, people were talking about the handful of app marketing techniques. But over time, the, you know, the concept of the app growth marketing crystallized, and now it comes away with lots of marketing hacks. People more searching for app growth. Uh, if you see you know, the, the number of searches, you know, popular topics on the conferences, it's not about app marketing, but app growth marketing specifically. So what is growth marketing today? How does it work? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of, of marketing hacks, you know, the term hacks, because they're just really not sustainable. I, I, you mentioned, you know, back in the day, I was like, oh, what little hack can I do to, to uh, figure yeah. out how to get an, a, just, a, you know, 10,000 boosts of downloads or 100,000 boosts of downloads. Sure, that's great, but it's not sustainable. And, and so, in my opinion, growth marketing is really the process of driving your users to your app, to download your app and purchase what you're offering while increasing the appreciation of your app in the process. And it's really about conveying how your app is both unique and irresistible. And so there's not just one size fits all type of growth marketing. It's really accumulation of the fundamental marketing initiatives that have uh, are working today and have worked for the past 10 years, as well as traditional marketing initiatives. You know, what in most cases, apps don't fail because they didn't build the right app. They fail because of the lack of traction. And contrary to what most people believe, just building and launching an app in the app store doesn't mean people will naturally discover and download it. Uh, you know, there's more than 3,000 new apps launched every single day, and the chances of you know, your app being discovered without effective marketing is really slim to none. And so when implementing growth marketing correctly, convincing users to download your app really becomes more organic. Effective marketing does your selling in advance. So that by the time consumers come to your app, they're already pre-interested, pre-motivated, pre-qualified, and predisposed to download your app instantly. And you know, you, you, you ask the question again, what is growth marketing? It's not just one channel. It's not just one hack. It's not just one initiative. It's, it's really leveraging organic growth seamlessly with paid advertising and, and word of mouth to make this cohesion, you know, omnipresence for your app to be able to achieve your goals. Yeah, I totally see what you say about hacks. This term kind of has been overused over time. You may come up with a specific hack, you know, in a hard situation when you're kind of stuck, but you cannot use hacks, you know, on a daily basis throughout the lifetime of your app project. It's there got to be sustainable practices, how you make sure that your app user base is growing and your business is sustainable in terms of you're actually making profit. You're not just burning your app marketing budget. So when you think about it, uh, an app success on the market on a big scale is based on such notions as virality and retention. So what does it take today to make an app viral and how to make sure that if people actually use the app, not just abandon it after the first use and they're gone. 
Yeah, I would say contrary to what most people believe, apps don't really go viral by accident. I think virality is strategically engineered. Uh, there's a science behind why people talk and share about a particular app. There's actually books on the subject. Um, hell, I have a book on, on the subject. And so, you know, it really goes down to the basics of, of viral growth engines. And it's about leveraging viral mechanics embedded within your app in order to get people to share it. You know, companies like Uber, Facebook, Twitter uh, have entire teams dedicated to uh, what they call kind of growth engineers. They don't call themselves hackers or any of that nature. They call them growth engineers. And their specific role is to look at how do we engineer virality into into the app and, and new features and functionality. And so the first fundamental step to go viral is, is the basics, is you must first deliver an exceptional experience people will never forget. Uh, if you build something people really don't want, and, and, you know, then they're not going to obviously share it. But if you do build something people really want and give them a compelling reason to share it, your customers will actually go your app business for you. You know, viral products generate exponential growth because they leverage each acquired customer. And they kind of build this self-sustaining user acquisition machine. Uh, that's what all the top apps uh, have incorporated. And so when you think of virality, you want to think of how do we create this and build a self-sustaining user acquisition machine where leveraging each acquired customer to build and grow our additional customers there on out. And so here's the key. The most uh, that most miss is you must actively give your users a compelling reason to share your app with others such that others repeat this behavior. Most people think, oh, this is, a, I'm building this cool, amazing, innovative new app. And just because it's great, people are going to share it. It doesn't necessarily work that way. And so, you know, incentives cause conversation, which leads to referrals. And so if you look at a lot of the most successful viral apps out there, they usually had some sort of referral aspect. And it's what we call the win-win referral system. And so, you know, how that win-win referral system works is, you know, a user downloads the app and likes it. And then he or she is offered a small incentive to share the app. The friend who downloads the app also received a small bonus for downloading. The friend who downloaded the app is also offered another small incentive to share the app further with additional friends, and the cycle continues. But it's a win-win referral system because both parties look great for sharing the app. A good example would be, you know, Uber Starbucks. when they first Starbucks is another going exactly. I mean, every successful billion-dollar app has that incorporated in, in some degree. And Uber was one of the bigger ones early on to be able to provide that incentive to be able to first, you know, get the credit. So you get about $25 credit when you first download the app. And if you share it with someone else, they get credit and you get credit. And then obviously you can also share um, and split the ride. So there's these all these additional continued incentives to be able to share the app with friends and the community and kind of create that, that system in place. Yeah, I... I vividly remember my experience of sharing Dropbox when it just started and I was gaining some extra space by sharing the app with my friends. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I remember getting those extra gigabytes. They were um, one of the first pioneers to, to kind yeah. of incorporate that. And, and so they're definitely, they were they're the model that, that Uber had adopted and Airbnb and, and many, many others. Right. That's awesome. You know, our conversation would have been complete if we haven't covered, if we haven't touched money aspect. How do apps make money today? What model among all is the most effective? Sure. I mean, when it comes to today's model, there isn't really one model that that is the most effective. I mean, I'm sure you know your listeners are already familiar with all of the main top models, you know, um, in-app advertising and in-app purchases, subscription, et cetera. And so yeah. there isn't really one model that is like, oh, this is the go-to model. The key to maximizing revenue is to take your users through a process that provides continual value over time. This is what all the successful businesses, not just apps, but 
all successful businesses call a value ladder. And this concept is take the user through a process that gives them more value through every stage of the relationship to a point where they begin to continually give you more and more money over time. And so each step offers additional value. And the higher you go up, the more expensive the offerings. And so to really answer your question, the most successful apps in the market, for example, Tinder. I mean, Tinder makes $120 million in sales a month, $120 million a month. And so Tinder is a great model to look at. And if you'll notice, Tinder doesn't just do in-app advertising. They don't just do advertising. Uh, they don't just do subscription. They actually do every business model and combine them all together through, again, what they call a value ladder, uh, building mm -hmm. that relationship and getting people to first, you know, uh, first maybe opt for that one-time in-app purchase. And then it's multiple. Um, and so the key for, for Tinder is they leverage every business model, advertising, discounted offers, multi-tier subscription models. They don't have just one subscription offer. They have currently two available. And I think one all the way up to like $100 a month. And so, you know, in their, in their last quarterly letter to investors, Tinder's reported that over 6 million people are, are paying to be subscribers uh, between those two different subscription models. And so it's, it's about really providing that continual value and leveraging each business model to fit in each step in what we call a value ladder. And that's really the most profitable way uh, to succeed in today's environment. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome point. If you think about it, people obviously different in their, how they perceive the value of the app, how much it does for them, like how they, how they uh, appreciate, appreciate the specific function it has and their wish to either pay you know, for a net purchase or go into subs subscription or basically pay a few bucks to turn off the ads in the app. People are different. And if you have, if you have all models implemented in your app, you have the best chances to please the, uh, the widest audience, right? Exactly. And the more value that you give them through each stage of the relationship, the more they're inclined to give you more money and, and go to that higher tier you know, package. All right. In your opinion, Sean, looking at the future of apps, what's coming in the app space? What do you see will be the next big thing? Well, I think this is a very exciting time in our industry as the industry is definitely maturing from where it was before, like the Wild Wild West that we talked about. Mm -hmm. But we're entering an age now where innovation is going to come down to applying multiple different technologies into a specific category. And so I see many of the hot themes that we're seeing now continue to further in, and dive into existing app categories. For example, uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain technology being applied to every type of app category. I mean, you know, AI and artificial learning being applied to every type of app category from gaming to social to, to banking. And also another big thing is, is going to be privacy as well. But I think we're, we're in a unique space now where we're going to continue to see and evolve a, a number of different features into a particular app. So, for example, um, there's a new amazing app called Compete that, uh, that we just launched, and they're leveraging social kind of dating as well as cryptocurrency and blockchain technology all into one. Um, so we're, you're seeing, you know, these types of morphs of, of industries kind of all providing various different types of value within a particular type of, of category. And so it's just really, really exciting time. Yeah, I see. Definitely. And I would say there's a, just one more thing that if you think about all these years when the apps, uh, since the inception of the app stores, every year, the next innovation in apps was fueled by new technology, like going to 3G speed, then 
creating a better camera, providing, uh, you know, geolocation, the geolocation capability to your smartphone, et cetera, et cetera. At this point, it's about the augmented reality. We're talking about 5G. And even though it's not really there yet, but it's coming. So yeah, I would expect by the end of this year, early next year, 5G will be really a big factor, like the to expand the horizon for apps, basically, right? Oh, and uh, yeah, and Internet of Things as the tech is not it's just not possible without 5G, right? So developers just should be aware that this is what's coming, and uh, the capabilities, the new horizon will be there. You just have to be ready and see how we can actually implement that that new tech in your app and make it more useful for people. Exactly. It's really staying up with the latest technology and trends and understanding what Apple and, and Google kind of are have in their pipeline of what's to come in terms of their software, because they can obviously highlight your product if you're highlighting you know, their latest innovation of software, like you mentioned, whether it's augmented reality or whatnot. And so I think it's just really, if you're, you're the developer and in the front space of innovation right now, you really want to make sure that you're staying up with what's, what's latest and what is really going to be driving Apple and Google in the, in the coming years. Absolutely. Okay. We're at this point of the show where I have just one more, uh, actually just a few more questions to you. And they're not related to to the topic. I just want to let people who are listening to the show to know go a little bit better. So the question number one will be, what smartphone do you have now? Uh, Have you been switching between iOS, uh, Android and back or staying in the line all the time? Well, uh, as a company, you know, since we live and breathe mobile, we actually have, you know, every device here um, at at the office. But in terms of of personal use, what I use uh, personally? In your pocket. Yeah, in my pocket right now, um, I have the latest uh, iPhone Pro Max. All right, gotcha. So I've yeah. personally just been a yeah, iOS uh, fan all along. I've never actually transitioned to personally to Android. Obviously, we use Android at the offices, but personally for personal use, I've always been um, more geared towards iOS. All right, so let's take a quick look before the you know, pre-smartphone era. Do you remember your first mobile phone? Oh, absolutely. My first mobile phone was the exciting Razor. Remember the Razor back in the day? Oh, yeah. That was a good one. And I love that kind of flip phone. It was like super thin. It was like kind of the hottest thing at the time. And I remember being super, super excited about having that. Yeah, I think in a few years, we will have to read the, um, you know, there's going to be a movie about that phone because people will not be able, like kids today will not be able to appreciate like our uh, excitement about the flip phone back then. Right, exactly. So right now, imagine you've left your smartphone at home what would be the most missing feature for you? My, my first thought of the missing feature would honestly be my calendar. It's probably not what you would originally think, but it'd be my calendar. I live and breathe uh, looking at my, my calendar. I, I use an app called Fantastical. I think it's actually mm. Fantastical too. And it's, it's a, a great calendar app. And I, I live and breathe through, through my calendar and having understanding you know, what, what the day's objectives are. And, uh, and so if I'm not, if I don't know what my schedule looks like, then, uh, then I don't know what to do with myself. And so, uh, so it would definitely be my calendar. I got you. So what new app technologies are you most excited about? Like when you're looking at your phone, your uh, iPhone 12 Pro Max, what do you think is missing at this point? Like what are we waiting for? Uh, probably, you know, bigger battery, lighter, you know, the glass more durable. Or uh, it from- software, could be both. Yeah, from a hardware standpoint, I mean, I would love it for it, for it to be thinner and lighter. For some reason, I feel like we've been going 
away from that route over the past few years. And it's just kind of getting you know, bigger and heavier to a degree. And we kind of lost that, that unique innovation that like every year was going to be thinner and lighter, thinner and lighter. And, and so we've kind of lost that, that piece from it. So that's from a hardware standpoint. From a technology standpoint, I mean, I, I'm honestly overwhelmed currently with, with what's available. You know, we connect with you know, 10 to 20 new apps and app developers to, a day. And so there's just so much in, in terms of technology out there uh, mm-hmm. and such amazing products out there. You know, there's nothing that comes to mind in particular. For me personally, you know, I'm looking at more of, of removing distractions. And, uh, and there's a reason why I don't have an, an iWatch um, because, you know, I want to be... A little, away from from distractions and away from notifications um, as opposed to you know continue to be distracted from it yeah funny enough but apple is kind of looking in the same direction uh i'm sure some of our listeners have watched the wwdc uh, keynote just uh, yesterday and actually apple has taken this angle of making sure that people have a choice to be either focused on their work or leisure like kind of a setting the stage by one setting, like switching, you know, just daily routine. Uh, if you're working, you shouldn't be distracted by any apps that are related to, you know, watching movies and stuff and vice versa. So kind of making these zones you have in your daily life on your phone easier and be less distracted, like exactly what you're saying. It's actually a good update for iOS 15. We'll see how it goes, but uh, from what was seen, uh, what was presented, it's pretty awesome. It should be really helpful for people to organize their life better. Absolutely. I'm really excited for that. Cool. Now, before I let you go, just very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Absolutely. Well, if uh, those listening, if you need help marketing your app to be able to reach your goals, uh, you might be interested in applying to speak with one of our app growth specialists uh, to see how our agency uh, can help you reach your goals. And so if you're interested in that uh, and want access to that, just go ahead and look up our company, which is pre-apps. So go to preapps.com, P-R-E-A-B-P-S.com, and you can get some more details about our agency and how we can help you. Terrific. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Sean. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. And that was Sean Castor, CEO at Preapps. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We're list episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.